new CBS Sunday. You collect rewards, right? This is how I make my living. When something is lost, everyone's looking for something. He finds it. You strong swimmer? So-so. So-so. So-so's okay. Justin Hartley stars. I survive. You make quick, smart decisions. You never let panic take the wheel. Sounds cool. It is cool, actually. Very cool. Tracker. New Sunday on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Welcome into the Illini Enquirer podcast. Jeremy Warner and Joey Wagner with the post-game reaction to a big victory for Illinois basketball on the road without their star Io DeSumo for a second straight game. No Io, no problem. Illinois gets its second straight win without its star guard, picking up a top 25 road win, 74-69 at Wisconsin. Sure, Joey, the Illini had a season-high 20 turnovers. Dimitri Trice did his best Reggie Miller impression, scoring 19 points in the last 212. That sounds wrong, but that's what he did. Uh, he had five threes, made a little iffy at the end, but Illinois, of all teams, one of the worst free-throw shooting teams uh, in the country, really, makes 10 straight free throws to end the game. Andre Corbello with four of them. Trent Frazier with four of them. Jacob Grandison with the two final ones to to finally close that game out. But Illinois, now 18-6, and 14-4 and four in the Big Ten. Joey, this is what they call a program win. There, there's plenty of ugly in here, but I don't know why people would focus on that when you just got out of Cole Center – where you hadn't won eight straight games for a second straight year, you get out of Cole Center with a win. And this is monstrous not only for the short term and what's ahead here, but also I think the long term for Brad Underwood's program. I think this says so much about who they are and what Brad has wanted them to be since the second he walked into that job. That was a a tough win. And when you, you zoom out a little bit and look at the week, the buildup to that game, right? You go to Michigan State, it's physical. It's a tough loss. Your first loss in seven games. And Iota Sumu gets hurt. And that's this cloud hanging over this team basically all day Wednesday, basically all day Thursday. Then you have to say goodbye, kind of, you know, maybe an early goodbye to Trent Frazier, DeMonte Williams, and Io. Yeah. And Zach Griffith and Bobby Geek is a manager and Brad doesn't like and he likes senior days, but they're hard for him to to deal with because he, he really attaches. So you put all of those in and then you go to Wisconsin, a really tough place to win against an old team. And that's been the narrative all year, right? Old teams win. You go against an old team without your All-American, maybe your national player of the year, and you sneak out a win in your third game in five days. I, I mean, that is that toughness and that you know, foot on the gas, keep this thing moving. Don't stop until until there's no more games to play. But that is what Brad has drilled into this team since he walked in here. And then to see that happen is kind of just, I think Brad Brad was really not emotional, but he, he was really, really happy with that. And he should have been. Yeah, Joey. And the thing about this is um, we, I want to get into what this means for the NCAA tournament, what this means for the Big Ten tournament. But to have Andre Curbelo step up, I know he had six turnovers and some careless ones, but 17 points and iced that game at the free throw line. He had a clutch bucket when they were up nine, right, or 11, but it was a clutch bucket, and he dictated the game offensively for a while. You have another star in Kofi Coburn, who I don't know if he'll be back for a junior year like Io, but if he did, 
you're going to be a top 15 team again, right? Because he's an unstoppable force. And then DeMonte Williams has really stepped up the last two games. He's been more assertive, but they just weren't scared, right? And and I know Trice went off late in that game, but I think that was more just Trice going off. I mean, there are a couple plays maybe late in the game that don't really give up defensively, but his last three threes were ridiculously contested. And this is why I've liked Illinois all year is, listen, offensively, they made shots, but they were just so bad turnover-wise. Yet they played defense, and they're one of the top defenses in the country. They were top 15 coming into this game in defensive efficiency, and they just weren't scared, and they're tough. And that's what Brad Underwood has been going for for so long. And for me, not only going into March where, yes, you can get Curbelo some confidence, where he's starting to play like we saw early in the season where that guy with Desumu with uh, Kofi, and then you had Trent and some of these other pieces. Adam Miller, I thought, had a solid game today. You had another playmaker like that, like that can help you win an NCAA tournament game, but also just for the long term, like that's what you expect now is you can be without your your star player and win at a over 500 Big Ten team. That's that to me just just says okay, this program for the long term is in really good shape. A quick note about Andre Corbello. If, if people are going to live and die with every turnover he had, it's going to be a very long four years on their heart rate. You, you just have to kind of let him be who he is. He's going to get older. Some of those are going to get cleaned up. Some of them are bad. And there have been games, Jeremy, this year where you're like, they, they got to get him to a bench. They, they got to let him recalibrate. That today, was I didn't really feel like was that game, even with the six turnovers. But to your larger point, this is, I mean, I, I remember talking to you about it before the West, before the Nebraska game. I said, you know, assuming, you know, whenever IO comes back, this could kind of work in, in Illinois' favor in the sense that you have Adam Miller attacking the rim. You have Andre Curbelo. Brad has no choice but to let him play through these minutes right now and, and through some of maybe either discomfort or learning experiences. And that, you never want to lose IO to Sumer for a second, right? But, but if you're, if you're going to have to, there is a maybe a somewhere far distant silver lining here, and that is that these two are starting to get going. And defensively, let, let's be honest, I think maybe Wisconsin helped them out a little bit. There, there were some shots that probably should have fallen, but Brad Underwood has also talked about scouting reports. And I think if I had to guess at this point, Nate Reavers is uh, don't close out very hard mm-hmm. on the scouting report. And that's good for some of these guys to not fall into this oh, it's Reavers, we got to close out really hard and leave everybody else scrambling. I don't know that that was the report, but I have to guess that that is somewhere buried in there. And and Brad talked about this in his post-game press conference. There isn't a lot of time this week to really hammer these things out on the practice floor. It's film, it's run through it as quick as you can, but also recognize that these guys are tired and you want to balance all of that But ever since Brad made the move to this kind of defensive philosophy and got away from the burn it all down and hope we're the last thing standing, this is what we've seen. And this is probably what Brad, you know, was hoping for at the beginning of last season when he started to pivot into this role. Yeah. um, Pretty, pretty good defensive performance. I I know Wisconsin did not make shots, but they also had a lot of contested shots. I thought in the early going, uh, their first five or six shots were all 
really contested shots. And I thought that continued through most of the game. Like Illinois was closing out on them. Or if it was guys putting up like Potter's a pretty good shooter, but two for eight, isn't a ridiculously bad game for him. Uh, and you, like you said, Reavers, uh, they got to make them, but uh, Reavers is shooting 17% all year from three. So that's not too big of a surprise. Let's talk about the short term. What this means, Joey, um, you get back to back wins in the big 10 without IO Desumu. Now you're 14 and four, um, and you got obviously upcoming games against Michigan and Ohio State, and we don't know if Ayo Desumu will be back. Uh, we know there's a broken nose in there, right? Like that's been the reports. And if there is concussion protocol here, um, that game would seem to be in doubt. But uh, it, I thought it was encouraging that Ayo Desumu went to the game. He was on college game day, so I think that's a very positive that Ayo Desumu will be back. It's just a matter of when. And that game against Ohio State. Now, even if you lose to Michigan and you don't have Io, or even if you have Io and you lose, that game could be a playing game for the NCAA tournament one seed. You have put yourself in that position where you are still battling for a number one seed despite having not having Io Desumu the next two games. And I think, Joey, it's going to be really hard to knock this team off a two seed line now. You just got another quad one victory. You got two games against top five opponents. You're not going to be punished for that. Like maybe you fall a line or a spot, like one spot, somebody leaps you um, and, and you're not, not able to get past Ohio state for the one seed. I think a three is the lowest they'll get now. And I think that'd be the first three seed, but I think a two seed is very, very likely for the team for whatever that's worth. I mean, it's, it's going to be matchups, but also you have a two-game lead against Ohio State for whatever it's worth uh, in the Big Ten. And if you beat Ohio State, you're going to finish second in the Big Ten, which I think says a lot given how Michigan is playing right now. But it does set up a game in Michigan that will mean a lot. And and if you're able to get that game for what, however you do it or you get the one to Ohio State, I think Illinois is a one seed. And I think you've mentioned it. A double buy looks. I don't know if it's guaranteed, but I think it's all but guaranteed at this point in the Big Ten tournament. I think it's pretty close. And remember, it, I think it took, you know, maybe it, it did. It took into this last week, last year, in what should have been the Big Ten tournament. They had it, but somebody it had asked me. It took the last the second, dude. It took the, like, it took the last second of that Iowa game. It they took Kofi Coburn's right hand. It, it <laughs> did. And, and somebody asked me after this, did this lock up a two seed? And I thought, I, I don't really know that I have an argument against it. Honestly, I, I mean, what's, especially if they go to, if Io doesn't play the next two, and I don't know if that will or won't happen, but how much can you knock a team for losing to Michigan and Ohio State without Io Desumu? But yeah, number one seed is very, very much on the table here. And and even if it is a two seed, we're splitting hairs. Illinois basketball hasn't been in the tournament forever. Obviously, they would have been in last year. And then they come back with at least, I think, at least a number two seed. That is, holy crap. If you're, I mean, I, Obviously, you probably want the one seed and you don't want to be anywhere near the other three one seeds who are playing out of their mind basketball and probably are all at a plane of their own in the college yeah. basketball landscape here. But a two seed is not bad. Like, that is a really good thing. So that <laughs> There's only eight the short- teams that – or there's four teams that can say it and only eight teams that can say, like, hey, we have the same right, – that's unbelievable. Like, they, yes. even in the history of this program, they have had a one or a two seed – four times since this tournament started getting seated. And sometimes I feel like we need to remind the context of all of this, of how special the season is. And the Illini stats, I think it's Brett Moore that runs that, put out a great stat, which is most Big Ten wins in consecutive seasons for Illinois. 
It was 28 in 04, 05. That's the most. Number two is 27 in 2020 and 21. Now we have to say, right, like there are more Big Ten games now. So win percentage, I'd like to see the win percentage of that, but it's probably top five, right? There's probably top five win percentage of the Illini basketball history of that's ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. At least the modern era, right? Like this is, it's like the Andy Bernard thing. I don't want a lot of fans to be like, do you know the good, I wish you knew the good old days when you were living in the good old days. Right. And these are the good old days for, for some people. These will be the good old days of Io DeSumo and Kofi Coburn. And remember that time they went to Wisconsin and won without Io. And then he came back with a face mask and we made a run in the NCAA tournament. Yeah, you're exactly right. And you don't take for granted just because you're in that moment. This is such a big moment for, for this program, for what Brad wants this program to be in the long term. It's so much that, that I completely lost my train of thought. But, you, you know, the, before the Michigan State game, the talk was Big Ten tournament, national or Big Ten champion, national champion. And then probably given how Michigan is playing and what it would take for Michigan to be knocked off of its perch, they more or less were taken out of the Big Ten race on Tuesday night at Michigan State. So for them, and of course their best player was hurt. So for them to keep, I I know when you had Mike LaTulip on, Jeremy, he talked a lot about the human nature, the human instinct part of this that I think gets lost a lot and, for them to not decelerate after one of their goals was almost effectively deemed not reachable anymore. That says a lot about who these guys are, because especially being 18 to 22 year old kids to be able to see beyond that, that extra pass, I guess, if you will, that is a telling thing about what Brad has instilled in them, what he is looking for when he found them as recruits. That, that's a really big deal to me to keep this going, even when it's been really, really hard. And one of your goals is really, really, really hard to get to. Yeah. See, we started, usually we start with a micro of a game with some yeah. of these podcasts and then we go macro at the end. But this is just such a macro win for me, um, yeah. and, and for Illinois. But in my opinion, just looking at it, I think you have to, I always talk about carp, right? Carp's always the macro guy when it comes to everything. Every game means everything. Um, well, sometimes the micro gets lost. I think this is just such a big picture victory for Illinois basketball that has short-term implications in it too. And um, Brad Underwood said he's proud and, and he should be pumped. Um, this, is a, this is a tough week. Right. Just everything they've gone through, how many games we've done, how many podcasts we've done, Joey, because there's been so much happening um, this week. And to come out of it with two wins and go into next week with still some pretty big goals still in play and potentially Io DeSumo coming back. Um, this is this is a moment for them to be really proud of, no matter if Wisconsin gave you a scare, no matter if it was sloppy. Uh, you, even if you got a little help from Wisconsin, um, you take this one, man. Just to, I would have thought coming into this game, if Illinois has a chance to win this at the end, you feel pretty good, right? Like Wisconsin's not great, I know that, but Illinois without its best player, what would we think if if Io DeSumo wasn't here this year? Illinois, I think probably makes the tournament. I think they're a tournament team, but I think they're kind of like in that Maryland picture, right? Like probably around there. I mean, maybe a little bit better because Kofi's so good. Um, but I think they're Purdue-ish, right? This this team, they beat a team like that on the road 
in these circumstances, I think that's really encouraging. You know, we talk about IO and to benchmark where this program was when he got here versus where it was now, IO didn't have this moment as a freshman. There was no, we gutted through it and figured out a way to win this really, really challenging. They won big games. I thought the game at Ohio State they won when he was a freshman was really big and, you know, setting the, the stage of what this team could be. Michigan State was a big one. Michigan win for them, State yeah. was big. And that's the, the point is now these guys who are freshmen have had these hardened moments because of, like, you're starting to see the first instance of, like, the trickle-down effect of getting this culture up and having this running and then guys learning. And then when it's their time to be Io DeSumo, to be – that's a pretty lofty thing to say. Yeah. But to be the, the alpha, the star on this team, now they've been there. And that is what Brad's talked about a lot. But this is really the first time I can remember stepping back and saying, oh, I see it now. Yeah. I, I see exactly – what four years as a head coach does in terms of setting what you want to set and having guys who set that DeMonte Williams, Trent Frazier, Io DeSumo to the Kofi Coburns, to the Andre Curbelos, to the Adam Miller. It feels weird putting Kofi in the, the one, but he's only a sophomore, right? Yeah. And he is still kind of, I don't want to say learning. He's been around for a long time, it feels like, but he's still only a sophomore. So it's just kind of strange to, to look in the macro at it and see the bricks like you can step back and see the wall here that they're building in the foundation. Yeah. And obviously culture is a big thing. And coaches say it all the time. It's a buzzword, but it's there. Right. But I thought a guy like Chester Frazier was great culture. Um, you got to have the talent too. And Curbelo certainly has that. We saw it last game with Miller and I thought Miller had a pretty good game today. Uh, and then Kofi uh, is just such a talent as well. When we come back, Joey, let's get into some of the micro of this game because there were some interesting performances and interesting moments. We'll talk about that next on the Illini Enquirer podcast. Hip-hop takes the stand in the new documentary As We Speak, Rap Music on Trial, now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Rap lyrics are playing an increasingly prominent role in criminal cases. Every song, every lyric, every video that you've ever been involved with, they're going to use against you. Follow rap artist Kemba as he explores the weaponization of rap lyrics in the criminal justice system. This artistic expression is a confession. I'm ready. Roll the tape. Watch the eye-opening new documentary As We Speak, Rap Music on Trial, exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Terms apply. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. All right, I, I struggled. Midway through this game, I, I messaged Joey Wagner. I go, who do I put as the star of this, this game? Uh, and I ended up putting Kofi because, you know, it kind of gets lost with that finish, but he had that dominant stretch in the second half where Wisconsin just couldn't move him. He's just an unstoppable force, and he took over. Um, he was the best player on the court by far. Kerbel had some good moments, and I thought he ended it so well uh, at the free throw line, and Frazier had some big moments. But we were considering at that point, I think Kofi had 11 at that point, and DeMonte Williams had 10. And then DeMonte Williams has that step-back jumper. He was one of the few guys who didn't turn it over that much today, uh, helped out on the glass, had four assists as well. Um, you're seeing like this DeMonte Williams that 
like he's attacking more, right? He's looking for his shot more. And the last couple games, he's got more points than I had. I think he had over the previous 10 or, or nine or something like that. Um, he stepped up in a big way, had a bad moment with it, with the technical. We weren't there. We don't know what was said between him and Alondo Tucker. What happened? It sounded like something was said to Curbelo. But um, still, I, I'll give him a pass because it didn't end up hurting him. Uh, he's got to he's got to cool his emotions in that moment. But uh, that's a great performance for Demonte Williams. Twelve points ties a a Big Ten career high for him. No, I thought the the moment that really stuck out for me. Obviously, the three point of the step back, the the dish to Kofi was. I mean, those were good plays. The one that stuck out to me, I, I thought Illinois really struggled on the boards I mean Wisconsin had quite a few offensive rebounds I'd have to go back and look how many they had and they had a missed shot and they get an offensive rebound and they miss again and DeMonte goes up for just a grown man rebound I mean it was almost his version of saying I have seen enough of this like I'm a senior I know I can get this and he put a stop to it and I I mean I'll go back and look to see kind of what happened I don't remember him anymore after that was like DeMonte saying to thank you for coming, but that's done on this end. I remember at one point, this is just in my head, Wisconsin, I think I tweeted it, had a 10-3 to offensive rebound advantage. They ended with an 11-7. to So, yeah, I mean, over the last several minutes, uh, Illinois really uh, clamped up on the defensive glass. When Wisconsin missed a shot, Wisconsin made their last seven shots, and right. Illinois made its last five. But I, I think DeMonte, I mean, that to me, that I remember watching about this guy just, uh, this was the end. And what he's done, I'd probably have to go back and talk to – some people, but he seems to have that ability to mold into exactly what a basketball team needs. Now, when he was at Peoria Emanuel, he was the alpha, especially that sophomore or that junior year that they went to the class 3A state tournament. But he also, and again, I'd have to check, but they had Ramon Douglas Watkins on that team who was really good. And he's getting some, some division one interest again, kind of a, a long journey there. But when DeMonte needed to take over, Demonte took over and he comes here and the team needs something a little different out of him. And he turns into something a little bit different. And then this year, the team really needed a three-point shooter. So what does he do? He turns into a three-point shooter. And then you get to this stretch without Io DeSumo and they need somebody to, to carry some of that load. And, and lo and behold, who is it? It's Demonte Williams. And he just seems to, to be that guy who can read very, very well what a team needs and how they need it and deliver those things. And that's probably one of the best compliments you can give a basketball player who isn't LeBron James, that skill levels to be able to do that. And he gets, you know, maybe at times it was in the first three years, it was perhaps a little maddening for fans who wanted more out of him. But if you step back and I don't want to get back into the macro, but he does that. And he did that tonight. It's, it's amazing how, how he's changed his game, even in season, right? Like he had that hot offensive start where he's the best three-point shooter in the country, and he still is, by the way. He's back to number one after hitting four of six the last two games. He's shooting 55.1% from three. This guy last year, Joey, nine straight Big Ten games, didn't have a single point. A single point he shot 26.8% like barely took shots right like and now he's sending a step back like he's taking a step back to hit a jumper when this team needs him to that's an amazing thing it really is like how that's changed and his last two games without Io 20 points 
20 points over the last two games. Uh, he's hit um, – or not – he didn't have two or three of the last couple games, but he had three threes on seven attempts. Makes a couple two-pointers, which are rare for him as well. Uh, he's been very aggressive. He's been assist to turnover the last two games, six to one. But he had 20 points over the previous eight games. So, yeah, even in the short term, like the way he's changed – uh, it's huge, and, and they're going to need that. And maybe that, like we're talking about Curbelo and Miller, the confidence they can gain. If Demonte Williams can get that early season three-point confidence back, they get him shooting like this where he makes two a game, Joey. This team really becomes dangerous because they're one of the best three-point shooting teams in the country. But if you have Miller, Frazier, and Demonte outside of Io, Curbelo, and uh, Kofi, this team gets really dangerous offensively. And don't forget about Jacob Grandison, who, when he's set, he can really knock him down. And I think, you know, we're talking about all this offensively with DeMonte, and then just ho-hum on the other end. He is just just a brute force defensively. And you talk about culture quick, the two, two of the best defenders on this team, Brad, Brad Underwood's two seniors. I mean, that, that tells you a lot about what this program is. But, yeah, I mean, if, if he is this consistent – attacking DeMonte or shooting DeMonte. I remember we asked Brad after the Michigan State game, would you like to see him shoot more of those? Because even as recently as Tuesday, he, he seemed to hesitate a little bit, and it just changes so much. And I know we're digging here for a silver lining for, for this team without Ayo DeSumo, and, and really, for being honest with ourselves, very few silver linings exist when that guy's not playing basketball. But this is this is one of the very few that exists, along with the, the freshmen. Andre Corbell is going to be an all-Big Ten player, man. Like you mentioned, six turnovers. Yeah, six yeah. turnovers today. Five turnovers a game before. Again, I I understand. Like that's that's not good enough. He's got to get better at that. But the things he does, no one else can do. I, there's just not many people in college basketball, let alone the Big Ten, that can do it. In the last couple games, um, what's this? How many rebounds? Nineteen rebounds, and that and then you get him on the break doing that. Twenty-seven points. He can just probe a defense unlike anybody. So, yes, he needs to clean it up, but the positives usually outweigh the negatives when it comes to that. Uh, and defensively, he's getting better. Like <laughs> There's bad moments, but he's getting better. He's got active hands, and I, I think he's a long way away from it, Joey, but I can start to see, like, I think it's so good for him to have Trent Frazier because Trent is an undersized guy who should not be a good defender. But Trent is so locked in on that side. I don't know if Curbel will ever be that, but I think having Trent there shows Curbel like I can be really good at this end as well. You know, with Curbelo, there, there's not as many moments as we sit here on February 27th where I where I watch games. There are moments, but not as many where I think he is a defensive liability. On December 27th, December 17th, you're, you're probably seeing that a lot more. He, he has come quite a bit, uh, come a long way, I guess, in those two months throughout the course of the season, which is probably that's a good good line is to Trent Frazier and uh, that path. And, hey, this is what it takes to win at this level is, is being locked in over here. But I, I thought the three-pointer was encouraging tonight. He's starting to get that little – turnaround you know close shot at the rim that's if if he does that because there are a lot of times Jeremy I think we'd see him like drive to the rim it's like what's he going to do and he dribbles baseline and it resets like dude just just go for it you're going to get hit and at the worst case you're probably going to get a foul or eventually you'll get that foul but you know we we know that Io's a guy in the NCAA tournament that is going to like people are going to fawn over 
when they see him all the time, and they should. Andre Corbello is real, and Kofi because he's he's so good and he's so so much of a mammoth that this is gonna be a lot of people are gonna really struggle to stop him. Like they see him on tape and then they get him in person. It's like, Oh no, like we, we don't think, know what to do here. I think this we, is- I think we saw that with Nate Reavers today. Like I felt, I, at one point I felt bad for him and Dan Dockage was the first person to ever call him tough, I think. But like he was, he do, he had a couple tough possessions where he could have flopped and he didn't. And I was like, good for you, Nate Reavers, but he still got run over. Like he, he yeah. still got run over. Uh, and Brad Davison <laughs> and kudos to Jason Benetti and Dan Dockage for saying, yeah, we were wrong. Like that is a hook and hold, but it's because He's so big, like you're like, oh, see, Brad Davis is just trying. Like, what else is he supposed to do? But that's a hook and hold. Like, that's what Brad, Brad, Brad Underwood. Point. Yes, that is what I Brad hate- Underwood is saying. Is like, stop treating him different because he looks so big, and you feel sorry for other people. Like, that is still a foul. I hate to draw this comparison, and I, I might even text you after, like, hey, dude, cut that. But <laughs> when he was hanging on to Kofi. There, man, it's gonna feel, sound really, really bad, but it reminded me of like a, a, a very like a child, you know, whose dad had something up here and he was hanging on his arm. Like, I was totally. just doing that with my kid the other day, like like yeah. an hour before this. <laughs> and I hate to, I'm not trying to be little Brad Davidson, but like when I saw that, that's exactly what I thought. I was like, this guy is just so large. So yeah, he's gonna get a lot better. Circle the long way back to Corbella. You gotta you gotta keep me on track with these things, but like. <laughs> He's that guy, and like every time he's on TV, like an ESPN or a Fox Sports one, they're like, "Holy crap, this guy!" I think we're going to see a lot of that in the NCAA tournament, and I think the stretch is going to make him propel to that point in the the confidence department. But yeah, he he's been he's been good. The turnovers, you live with it, man. You got to live with it because he's number one in the hurt. Big Ten in assist rate, right? Like he's I think he's top five in the Big Ten in assists per game, which is you know a cumulative stat, and we know his minutes are low, like. That's what he does, and that's just going to – I mean, that's going to exponentially grow as he plays 30 minutes next year. Well, I, I think you live with it in the sense of reading the game. Like I, today, I six turnovers, not good. But I also thought there was just so much more that it's like whatever. Like that, those suck, but whatever. But there have been games recently where yeah. there wasn't that other end of more. So Brad Underwood and his coaching staff have to make sure they're reading what he's doing that makes those a little more palatable, but as long as he's doing something on the other end and and making those passes and and getting to the rim and and maybe even hitting a three or continuing to be serviceable on defense, Hey, you just throw your arms up. Maybe Brad yells, maybe Brad stomps, but you just move forward because there's just not anyone else who does the things that he does. Yeah, we got to shout out Jacob Grandison too. It was kind of quiet tonight, but five points made a big three. Um, in the second half, eight rebounds, two assists. He did have a couple turnovers in the first half. He's a plus 17 and the plus minus. And I know he didn't start the game. Zach Griffith technically started it last time. But since he's moved into the starting lineup, is it now nine and one, Illinois? Yeah. 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 They were seven and oh, lost one. And yeah. He's just. He's just done. Like he's been a nice piece. Like that's still, that four position is still an issue. When you go up against a team like Ohio State, right? Like he's not going to quite match that, but this is what they've needed. They've needed a guy who can be a threat to give you five to ten points and give you five to ten, like five to ten rebounds. And you know he's a great passer. He's not a very good defender, but like the energy on the glass is and that length is what they've they've lacked. And he's just been a nice piece of the puzzle during the last month and a half. Look, I think there are a lot of guys who can 
do what Alan Griffin did offensively or, or, you know, replace that portion of it. What I thought when I coming into this year, remember we hadn't seen Jacob Grandison, right? I mean, really at all. I mean, we didn't see practices. I thought who's going to be that guy on the glass who, who gets a tip in, gets a tip out, who, who just makes people remember that somebody's going to crash those boards and is at least at the very least going to make life not very fun for you as you try to get one of those, what should be an easy offensive rebound or defensive rebound. Jacob Grandison has been that person. And then you factor in the fact that he can, he can really distribute the ball. He can shoot. I think he's pretty good when he's set, you know, maybe, maybe not as consistent when he isn't set, but he's not afraid to drive and distribute. And he comes from the Princeton offense. It's not exactly anymore what Illinois does. Now they've gone into the more of the pick and roll offense, but there is something to be said for his ability, especially we saw early in the, you know, when they were winning in that seven game win streak, he could break his zone by getting into the middle of the darn thing and passing it around and kind of with his presence and of course, more shooters, you know, hitting those shots made it a little harder to zone Illinois defensively. And Jacob Grandison should get credit for that, for his ability to go in that spot and distribute the basketball. All right, Joe, before we get out of here um, and, and let you and I write and uh, Derek's up at Cole center uh, writing his piece as well. Illinois has a monumental task on Tuesday um, because barring a surprise, I, I just don't expect Iowa DeSumo to play in that game. And Michigan is, like Jay Billis said this morning, that's my national championship pick. And I know some Illini fans might not like that, but I look up and down that roster and what they're putting together here. Um, I think I'm going to have them like in the championship game. Because I just think they don't have weaknesses, and if if one issue, if they have one issue, like somebody else can step up, and we saw that today against Indiana, had some early issues with them, and then they just blew the doors off them. Uh, Kofi Coburn against Hunter Dickinson is going to be a lot of fun, but I just think it's a monumental task to slow down Isaiah Livers, Franz Wagner, uh, Sean D. Brown, Mike Smith, Eli Brooks. Um, I just think that's a that's a much deeper team. Now, can Illinois be competitive? Yeah, and, and maybe they could have a chance if Michigan doesn't make shots like Wisconsin missed shots, but I just don't think that's going to be the case. So um, Michigan, I think, all but wraps it up on Tuesday. But I don't know. We'll, we'll see. You, you go to this game, you wish you would have had it when Iowa DeSumo was there, and that's the, that's the sad part. And that's where Illini fans, understandably, are going to be upset. And Brad Underwood has made it clear. I mean, it's been a little veiled, but he's made it clear. He thinks Michigan was – What's the word I should use? Uh, he said he used the word character a lot of playing the schedule the Big Ten gives us. And I can understand Michigan wanting to ramp up its team a little bit more for health purposes, but they didn't do it with their women's team. They didn't do it with their other um, programs. And that made it look like they were gaming the schedule. And I understand like that. I didn't think that at first I wanted to give them the benefit of the doubt, but once their women played, once these other sports played, uh, it's just, it, it, it leaves a bad taste in your mouth and makes you think they were gaming the system a little bit. And I don't even think they needed it, Joe. I, I don't, I don't think they needed to do that, but they are a great team. I don't want to separate that from that is a great team that is fun to watch. And Juwan Howard uh, has built a beast there that I think Illinois is going to struggle with on Tuesday. Yeah. And I, I think Brad really, held it or hit it a little better until oh i don't know this week and now it was there in the middle of this tough stretch it's not really being so hidden about it anymore when he talks about everything he's talked about with the schedule and you're right they probably didn't need to i i will say if i if i were given michigan's 
really let's call it an opportunity because the Big Ten didn't do anything to stop them from doing that. Yeah, I probably would have done the same thing. I, I think if you really gave a truth elixir to a lot of people. If Nebraska, if that, if that game was Nebraska, they would have played it. Yeah. And, and I think if role reverse, you could put X head coach in that spot. And if the Big Ten isn't saying no, might be doing it too, right? I, I mean, if you give them a truth elixir and say, would you have done it? The, the answers were you know, maybe fall into that category. I don't know. And you don't want to, I'm not saying Brad would have done it because I don't know, but if no one's going to, this falls on Kevin Warren. We we went off a little bit about Kevin Warren when we saw each other two days ago here, but stop it. He's got to say, no, this is happening. I'm sorry. But yeah, I mean, Brad, Brad's not hitting. I think I have to believe that's going to be brought up between now and Tuesday night when they get there. I would love Io Dosumu to play if he can aid it without risking anything for beyond Tuesday night for his own, you know, personal future in basketball here. Because I want to see, I want to see what these two teams at full strength look like. And you're right, Michigan's probably got the edge right now. I think they're they're long. They do a lot of things that Illinois has struggled with teams that fit a lot of their profile. The difference is Illinois has somebody like Kofi who can make them rework some things. But Michigan does too. Like Hunter, Correct. Hunter Dickinson, Correct. like is, you know, Warren Tate asked me this morning on his radio show, like, is he a first teamer for you? And I said, coming into the week, no, he was second. Like he was the first guy on my second team line. And now I think I'm, I'm putting him there. And Franz can make the case as well. I mean, he's played fantastic basketball. So is Isaiah Livers. It's just they have so many weapons. It is such a well-constructed roster. And I know I've said this before, but they lost John Teske and Xavier Simpson, and it feels like they improved on those guys. Like, that's that's amazing. And that's why I had them – you know, they lost those guys, so I had them like fifth in my rankings. I, and I thought I was higher on Michigan than some people – um, but they just improved on those guys. And it's, it's, it's pretty, I had huge doubts about Juwan Howard at this time last year. And now it's just like, he's the guy everyone's chasing. I'll tell you what, Jeremy, if I am any big 10 head coach and I hear of like an NBA vacancy, I am calling whoever I'm like, Hey, have you heard of this Juwan Howard guy? If you can get your hands on him, I am trying to lobby for this guy to get all the way out of the big 10. If I'm an opposing coach, because what he is building there is going to be a really big problem for everybody else in the Big Ten. And you could say that fairly about a lot of teams, right? You could say that about Brad. You could say that about Chris Holtman. You can continue to say that about Iowa. I, I have some questions right now about Wisconsin long-term. But it feels like Purdue's going to be back, right? To the top, I mean, they're top five right now. But like that, they're going to be one of the top teams in the conference next year. I think Michigan clearly will be. I think Ohio State will be. I think Illinois got a chance to be in that mix. But I think the programs are like questions are one Wisconsin, right? Like they lose all these guys that haven't been as good as we thought. Maybe they are really more what they are this year than last year because last year's schedule was so good. Michigan State will be back. I should mention yep. that. Um, Maryland's having a better year than maybe even I thought they would. I think Rutgers is a solid program. But like Indiana, Iowa, I think slips a little bit. But like Wisconsin and Indiana are kind of the, the programs with huge questions for me. And that's who does Penn State hire? Does Minnesota fire, you know, uh, Patino finally? And does Northwestern just stick with Collins just because he made the tournament once or, or what? There could be, there could be three or four vacancies in this conference. There could. And there's probably more programs with questions than without questions, I guess. But the ones without questions really like are without questions, right? Like they are 
really good. And the, the reason the Big Ten is as good as it is because they provide that really top-heavy element to the league. And there's probably four or five teams that I don't think you'd even bat an eye at for the next few years, Michigan being one, Illinois being one. Uh, Ohio State being one. I'm, I'm, I'm looking at Ken Palm right now. Sorry to interrupt you, Joey. No, no, no. Six of the top 15 teams are Big Ten teams, and that includes Wisconsin and Purdue, who like we're like, yeah, they're okay. They're, they're number 13 and 15, right? And I think the Big Ten has 14 of the 17 strength of schedules, <laughs> uh, which is ridiculous. But then the player of the year, the Ken Palm player of the year, and it does not include Kofi Coburn, okay? Six of the top 10 in Ken Palm's player of the year are Big Ten players. You know, I haven't thought a lick about Purdue since, <laughs> I mean, I realized like I wasn't going to have to see them in a game on the regular season. Like it just wasn't something that I'd done. We're caught up. and But now you step back, like, yeah, maybe that's a team that someone's fawning over in the NCAA tournament because they've been through this and they've got good pieces. And it's like they're kind of this middle-tier Big Ten team, but I can see them getting in the tournament and making someone's life a nightmare. And the young guards are playing really well for them and they're beating teams. They should like, that's all they have to do. They beat Ohio state on the road, which is a huge win for them. But then they beat Michigan state a couple times, which is looking better and better, but they beat Northwestern. They beat Nebraska. They beat Penn state a couple times. They beat Indiana. Like they're beating the teams. They should, they don't slip up and look out. Right. I mean, it just feels like this conference has got somebody who like, everybody knows the powers they should, but there's just somebody that like, as you're in it, you don't really think about it because they meddle in the middle of a really good conference, but it just, they scream a Cinderella quote unquote Cinderella. I don't think there's a Cinderella in this conference because I don't think that exists right now, but they just feel like that team that, that could just tick somebody off that they're not going to have a lot of friends and different fan bases. I think next month. Yeah. No, that's a team that next year could be top three, top four. They got right? a star. Yeah. The, the Ivy kid's going to be a star. Well, and Trevion Williams is unbelievable. And I think that's a guy who's a four-year player. He's got another year in him too. So they could be really, really good. And Matt Painter doing what Matt Painter's done for, for two decades here. All right, Joey Wagner, again, just a, just a, I think sloppy, of course, but just I would feel so proud if, if I'm an Illini fan about my team uh, to pull that victory off, whether they – Got a little help from Wisconsin or not. Like they made plays to win that game. They had a great start to that game, found a way to close it when, let's be honest, previous years, you know, before these last two years, like Illinois loses that game. So to me, to to get these two without Io DeSumo says a lot about what's been built here. Agreed. We talked all of this and we just glossed over Kofi Coburn, by the way. Just by we, the way, we, we, we mentioned we, we unstoppable force. There's just nothing I, else we can add to it. It's just when he gets it to a certain spot, it, it's a foul or a layup. It's over dunk, I guess, more recently. Well, and I hope you're getting me going on another thing. I, I keep know. tweeting this because I feel like there are so many good players in the Big Ten. And because I would assume is understandably the face of this team, like he should be a Big Ten player. Uh, he should be an all Big Ten first team shoe in for me. And I think he should be at least a third-team All-American. But I feel like because Io's the face of this team, he gets overlooked. Um, you know, and I, I feel like other people aren't going to be – they're going to put like Hunter Dickinson before Kofi Coburn. And not that Dickinson doesn't deserve it, but it's like, look at what Kofi's doing too. Like Kofi's numbers per game are even better. And I think these last couple games where Kofi now has 43 points and 14 rebounds – like that should only strengthen his case. And if he has good games against 
Michigan, Ohio State. Like I think he's the third guy on my list for all Big Ten first team. I'm I know I'm closer to it. Uh, I know maybe I've got a little bit more bias, but I don't even think I'm biased when when I'm saying that. I don't either. I just think that he's proven that one person is nowhere near enough to cover him. And more times than not, two people are nowhere near enough to cover him. And really, I mean, he's starting to see three people. This guy is starting to see three people when he touches the basketball. That is bananas. That is yeah. it's unbelievable. That's insane. Three of them. It's like they don't even care. It's like, just stop it. That says everything I need to hear. Well, and it's kind of a reminder that Iodesumu is the impetus, right? Like he, he is the the guy who kickstarted this thing. Um, but it's not one player. And these last two games have kind of, especially today, it's kind of a reminder of that. Like Kofi Coburn is one of the best players in Illinois basketball history. And then you got guys like Trent Frazier and Demonte Williams and Jacob Grandison and and two young guys and Andre Corbello and Adam Miller that that make you a great team and make you a great program, not just one great player. So I think that's a good way of wrapping it up. Illinois beats Wisconsin 74-69. For Joey Wagner, I'm Jeremy Warner. Thank you for listening to the Illini Inquirer podcast. If you don't already, subscribe to us, rate us, review us. I'm going away to player grades. Derek and Joey, uh, both with big-time reactions to what this game means and what these last what this last week and two games uh, has meant for Illinois as well. Check out the website, IlliniInquirer.com. Everybody have a great day. Take care of each other. We'll talk to you next time on the Illini Inquirer podcast. Grab your VIP pass. We're delving into the secretive world of Formula One. Behind the scenes with two of the sport's biggest names, Mercedes and Williams. This is not coal mining, this is Formula One motor racing. As they build their new cars. We want to be so much further ahead. We are in permanent racing mode. And face shocking headlines. Here's Lewis Hamilton moving away from Mercedes. I'm Joseph Fiennes and this is F1, back at base. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.